Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. Do I really want brand new Rick to list my house? There's that lady, you know, Janet Davis that sold 15 houses in our neighborhood. Let's go with Janet. She's probably the safer bet. But if Rick comes on my fake team, his first year is going to be a little bit different. His first year, every time I have a listing, Rick's going to be putting out there just listed $1.4 million house. He's going, to, he's going to take the team's success and use it as his own to get instant credibility from people in his sphere of influence. There are two major factors to consideration on real estate team splits. The split itself and then lead flow. Um, and the type, the quality of lead, I think is, let's just say leads in the split. I mean, you can buy someone a whole bunch of Facebook or PPC leads, you know, where you get like a 1% conversion rate off them. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's really giving agents leads to really move the needle on a split. I can tell you that there's a lot of ways to skin the cat here, but I will tell you, we do coach a very large percentage of the highest performing teams in North America. And most of them have something very close to, if not a 50-50 split. And I know that feels too low to a lot of people initially, but that's because you're not thinking about the lead flow. Because the only way you make a 50-50 split is you have to provide agents on your team more than half of their business. Okay, does that make sense? Otherwise, I mean, they're, there is no way to argue you wouldn't be better off on the team. I've shown this before, but it's really been a while, I think. So Adam, check this out. Okay, so this is an old clunky scoreboard that I just use for teaching. Uh, you know, it's probably like a decade old, um, <laughs> but it's easy for me to maneuver. But most teams have a scoreboard where they track people's activities, how many contacts they make, how they grow their SOI, how many open houses they're holding, maybe how they're doing with their lead following up, how they're doing with converting how they're doing with training and onboarding new agents, things like that. But then we get all the way down here, bottom to, to lag measures. I call them results-based indicators too. Here you can see on a closed year to date basis, this is probably the most important thing real estate teams track at a high level, okay? So you've got these agents on this team and we track how many units, you could also do it by volume, but units is easier to look at how many units they've closed year to date. And then we look at how many of those units came from the agent generating the lead versus the team generating the lead. Okay. And that's really, really important. I'm going to stop for a minute there and explain that because how you determine agents typically do not understand the difference between generation and conversion. I would say, you know, less than 1% understand the real difference. And the, the difference is defined by something we call the but-for test. It's the test in law for causation. 
And what that means is, but for the existence of the team, would the lead have been generated? Okay. So for example, if that lead came off of a listing online, that's the team's listing, and then that came in, and the agent took the call and converted the lead into a client that ultimately closed, that's a team generated lead. Yes, the agent converted it, but they didn't generate it. That lead had to be generated by the online listing. That's the teams. In fact, you could even argue that open houses, but for the team's listing, you wouldn't have an open house there that would have attracted the lead to walk in the front door that you converted into a buyer sale. Now that's arguable. Most teams probably treat open house leads as agent generated for purposes of tracking only because it's nice to give them something, but it doesn't pass the but for test. So there's some that don't, there's some that say that's it's still a team generated lead, but that's, that's one of those ones that's in the middle. But that's about the only thing that's in the middle would be open house leads. Um, obviously, a lead that is generated by the team leader, like an SOI buyer that you give to a buyer's agent on your team, that's clearly team generated. Sign calls, team generated, teams listing, right? Almost every lead is going to be team generated with the exception of the leads that an agent generates themselves which would be the agent's own SOI, uh, maybe a, you know, a friend, family member of the agent, someone the agent knows in their SOI database. They might go door knocking someday. Don't need the team for that. Let's say the agent goes out and door knocks or he circle prospects or he calls expireds or he calls FISBOs. That could be agent generated because but for he could have done that on his own. That makes sense. So we have to source and track all leads once they come into our inventory pipeline so we know where they came from. So now let's go back. That's the but for test. That's how we determine which is which. Okay. So now let me take you back and explain this concept. I know this is a long way around Adam, but we're getting there. So the team leader is this first one. It's Robin. And then this is like a fictional team of my wife's. It doesn't exist. But then down below, you can see these are all these transactions. And for the most part, the team has provided more leads that have closed to each of the agents than the agents have. And I call this the team leader is staying ahead of the team. And the team leader always needs to stay ahead of the team. Because look down here, these are two of the, these agents down here at the bottom, you can see the team has put like, here's a situation where Jessica has closed eight deals year to date. Seven of them came from the team. She's only closed one herself. Logan has closed six deals year to date. Six from the team, none himself. David here, this is a typo. This should be 15. I don't know how that happened. I probably was screwing around with this. 10 from the team, only five himself. See what I'm saying? This is another typo. I don't know why this math isn't working out, but um, in this case, we'll, we'll say uh, 30, whoops. I play with this thing too much. I apologize for that, guys. So you can see here, we're staying ahead now that I've altered it, <laughs> right? 
So at this point, if Jessica were to say, okay, I'm on a 50-50 split, I'm not making enough money, Robin. I've only closed eight transactions and I'm only getting paid 50%, I need more money. Robin can say, well, wait a minute. I, if you need to make more money, you need to catch up with me, get six more transactions, and then that'll push me further to stay ahead of you. Because right now, if you were to leave the team or something were to happen to me, Robin, or this team were to disintegrate, you'd starve. You only have one deal on your own. If you were by yourself, you would have one transaction. You see what I'm saying? Taking Jessica from a 50-50 up to a 60% split might make her a few thousand bucks more at the end of the year. But if she were to, if she were to sell six more houses, Oh man, we may be talking about a hundred thousand more bucks by the end of the year. So you refocus agents. See, most agents are very split sensitive. They're, they, they don't focus on what they should focus on. You see what I'm saying? What they focus on is commission splits and they don't focus on getting more transactions. So the key is to get agents off the split. And if, if we are not being able to recruit or retain agents because of a commission split, we are not able to show value. And the key way to show value is, hey, look at all the agents on my team. You know, Robin can can actually show them, or this hypothetical Robin, I should say, can show everybody on her team or every possible recruit. If you come to my team, I'm going to more than double your business. Well more. And if you leave my team, you're going to lose probably 75% of your income. So if you actually do the math here, they're actually on like a 125% split, not a 50% split because they're going to make 125%, 150%, 500% more money than they would on their own. So lead flow becomes everything because no one's going to leave that team because if you go to another team, very few teams out there invest enough income in marketing and sales to provide agents with more business than they bring to them. So you're not going to lose another team. You certainly can't lose them just to being a solo agent because they make more money on the team than they would as a solo agent. Not to mention they get accountability, they get training, they get admin support, all those things to speed them up. Does that make sense? So that's why, I mean, I'm telling you the 50-50 split, Adam, I mean, yes, you could do 60, 40, 70, 30 for their own SOI and 50, 50 for the team. You could do all those things. I don't, you know, most top teams don't. Most top teams do it this way and they rely on that lead flow until an agent gets ahead of them. So when an agent like Jessica there, she she's eight closed, seven from the team, one from her. Let's say the next year she grows her SOI, which is what's supposed to happen. So the next year we're halfway through the year and she's closed 20 deals. 18 are from her own SOI and only two are from the team. Now the pressure gets put on the team leader. It's off of Jessica because Jessica did her part. Now the team leader has all the pressure. This doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Now Jessica's a flight risk, right? I mean, why is Jessica on this team anymore? If I'm Jessica, I'm thinking, why am I giving you 50% of my 18 commissions? 
and you're only giving me two 50% deals a year. So one of two things has got to happen. Either the team leader has got to give her 18 deals to stay ahead of her, which the team leader clearly hasn't done at this point. Or we've got to graduate Jessica to a higher commission split because we can't keep up with her. And to me, that's totally cool. She's earned it. What I don't like is a bunch of low producers coming on my team saying they need a bigger split when they can't generate anything themselves. That I don't like. That's called socialism or communism or whatever. Like we don't, we want some sort of like incentive here. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I you know, I get that. And I'm not worried about the form of government. I don't care about that. I'm talking about business and business got it. You know, we got to have some sort of incentive involved. So let the ones earn up and graduate up to a higher split if they prove that we can't match them with leads, which is why I call the matching standard. It works both ways. It holds the team leader accountable if the agent performs and it holds the agent accountable until they are able to perform, if they ever do. So in that argument, it's hard to say you'd be better off with any better of a, you know, you know, not being on that team, so long as that team leader stays ahead of you. When the team leader can't, then we graduate that split up and that's how you get the higher splits. That is the system I have seen work the most with top teams. If that system's not in place, you see teams basically use recruiting as a crutch and they say, okay, I can't get any agents unless I give them a higher split or I'm losing agents because they have a higher split. Well, that price is a factor in the absence of value. Remember that law. Price is only a factor in the absence of value. In other words, they don't see enough value coming from your team. So they want a better split. So you better show them the value. And I'll tell you right now, the chief way to get an agent to see value is show them where their bread is buttered. Show them how many leads they would not have. And let me tell you where this came about, Adam. Here's where this came about. I have ran and owned and operated tons of real estate brokerages over the time. Thousands of agents cumulatively. And I've had lots of big teams in those offices. So here you are, you know, overseeing these big offices and you got teams within them. And then you, of course, very natural to see people leave those teams and go to another team in the office or go out on their own. And here's what happens. This is the magic. I don't know how to explain this unless I tell you the story because it's not normal. It's, it's, not, it's not logical. I'd see this agent that left the team in the office and I'd say, why did you leave the team? I hear you're on your own now. And they'd say, or I'm on another team. I'd say, well, I felt like I was just giving my commission dollars away. I go, you were, how come? And I go, well, I'd say, how many transactions did you close with them? And they'd say 20. And I'd say, great. How many of those transactions came from the team? And they'd say none or maybe one. I did 19 myself. I go, oh, I guess that isn't very fair. You know what I'm saying? If you're on a 50-50 split or whatever split you're on, I, you know, you're probably cheaper just being on your own. Then though, I would see the team leader of the team that they just left. And I'd go ask the team leader. I'd say, hey, I talked to Janet in the hallway. She said she left because she wasn't getting too many, she wasn't getting enough leads from the team. And he'd say, oh, okay, well, that's funny. 
she closed 20 deals and 19 of them came from the team. And I'd say, huh, there seems to be a disconnect here. This is back to how I started this conversation, Adam. I said, agents know, don't know the difference between lead generation and lead conversion. In this case, the team leader was probably right. The team leader paid for the lead. Maybe it was a Zillow lead or I don't know, or all those different things we said. The team provided the lead. The agent did all the work converting it, true. But they think conversion is generation. But for the existence of the lead in the first place, there would have been nothing to convert. They think they're entitled to credit because they did all the work. It's almost like saying, hey, I closed all these transitions on the team's admin. Without me, they wouldn't have gotten closed. Well, no, we could have got someone else to close them. Try what happens if you don't have the person that gives you the transactions to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? 99% of the value in this business is who can generate the lead. Welcome to real estate. You've all seen that now. Customer service, as you move from lead generation to conversion, to transaction management, to servicing, to closing, the dollar per hour rate goes down. I'm sorry to say that to a lot of you that think it's, you, you know, you're so good at handling your transactions. Sorry, that's 15 to $20 an hour work. Here, that's all business. Well, to argue that is fighting business in general. Because in any industry, the tip of the spear makes the most money. And as you move more into a servicing place, the dollar per hour goes by because there's a lot more pressure on the tip of the spear. It's usually paid by commission too. That's why it's paid more because it's not a sure thing. Dollar per hour is what happens as we move towards the end. It is a sure thing. Make sense? So they don't understand the difference. And what happens is the T I'm putting that uh, Walt asked for the copy of that scoreboard. So I am throwing that in the, in the chat room right now. And that's an old clunky scoreboard. I hope you don't like that's, I've been using that for a decade, man. That, that is an old Excel spreadsheet right there, but you can have it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> it is old, um, but it's even ugly green. Um, but the point is they don't have a scoreboard where they're showing it. So we have to always keep it visible to the agents on the team so they realize and they remember where their bread is buttered 24 seven, or they will go into a negative space. And, the, and you can sink their career as a leader by not making them aware of this. Because usually that Janet that leads the team, they disappear or they make a lot less money. Bad things usually happen. They wonder where all their business has gone from. They blame it on the market. They blame it on weird conditions. They might then move to another brokerage because they think that that's the problem. They keep changing things. But the whole time, even back when they were on the team, what they didn't get was they need to actually spend more time and activity generating business themselves. That's the key to this industry. And the, as a team leader at the very beginning, that first team leader, it's your job to make them aware of that. And the best way you can do it is show them the score constantly show them the score, show them, Hey, you're doing great converting all my business, but you're not generating anything yourself. You have to run a team that empowers agents to build their own businesses. That's what they want anyway, but that's hard because it, life's not logical. We're not logical creatures. We all want to get in better shape, but we don't want to go to the gym. We all want to eat better, but we don't want to diet. 
We all want to do things, but we can't make ourselves do the work. So we go to other people like coaches and traders and leaders to help us. If you're going to be their leader, help them, show them the score because they don't know it. They literally don't know it. I'm here to tell you, they have no freaking clue. They think that all the work, I mean, it's, I bet you 95% of the agents in your MLS don't know this. I'm not joking. I know because I've recruited and thousands of agents and I've talked to them all. And it's amazing. They, they, they judge their worth based on how well they handle a transaction. They judge other agents based upon their morals and integrity as to how they handle other transactions. They judge people on their admin processing skills. It's below, it blows my mind. That's how lost we get as a species. It's shocking. So they develop resentment. I don't like this agent. I like that agent. I dislike that agent. All based on how good of an admin process they are. It's, it blows my mind. When the true success is determined by how good of a lead generator you are. That's a non-debatable. It's hilarious too. They usually are the sloppiest agent because they don't focus on it at all. And everybody else knocks them 24 seven. They're so sloppy. They never return my phone call. That's what all the admins say. Make sense? Crazy, yeah, crazy. It. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know that's a long answer, but the, but the, but that that, that's why it really is. So let me put it on a sliding scale to really answer your question. If you got someone on a 50-50, it's because you're providing them with a lot more leads. As you move up to a higher split, the obligation of the team leader to provide leads slowly disintegrates. So now if you got agents on your team, let's say on a 90-10 split, which I do not recommend, that's not fun. High, high churn there. You probably don't have to provide them any leads at all. Maybe some admin and marketing, okay? But as you, as the scale slides, we're going to get, and then you get down to that 50, 50 range. We got to stay ahead of them because that's the only way a 50, 50 makes sense. I mean, you know what I mean? Like is you got to give them more. They're giving you, it can't be split 50, 50 or, or it doesn't make financial sense. You're, you're requiring too much of your admin team to provide admin support and your leadership team to provide leadership support. People really want to be shown the money. Just. It's the way it is. I think the most valuable thing a team provides is accountability. I really do. I firmly believe that. Just because in those offices I've told you about, I've watched agents go onto teams. And I would say an agent that goes on a real estate team has a one in three chance of succeeding. An agent that goes solo, one in 10. That's a big difference. That's, you're three times more likely to succeed on a team because of, and I think that's because of the accountability and some leads and some admin support so you can stay focused on on chasing down leads. I do, that's what I've always seen. And I'm just talking about new agents coming out the gates, brand new spanking agents. You go on a team, because there's a big gap. I mean, so many people don't make it in their first year. Just they, they, they need money. And you go on that team, all of a sudden you got some support and accountability and they give you a few leads, that's enough to bridge the gap. So just a little, you know, not to mention when you run an office, you put them over there on a team, you, you know, you got someone who's putting a close eye on them. If the team's doing things right.
Now, to me, if you're an agent considering whether I should be on a team, I know there's somebody out there. To me, the, 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 the question should be answered the same way. Will I make more money if I go on that team? They've got to be able to show you that. So like, let's say, I'm just gonna keep using Adam because he's my favorite in the world. So Adam, let's say Adam closes 15 transactions a year. If I come to your team, you either got to do something with my split or guarantee me that you're going to give me a certain percentage of transactions so that I make more money going to your team. Gotta be able to show me that. I don't want to hear a bunch of fluff about how great your culture is and how much your admin support you're going to give me. Those are all important things and they are benefits, no doubt. But at a bottom line, I know money carries the day and I want to see that money. Show me I'm going to make more money on your team and then we can talk. I want to guarantee that I'm going to get a certain amount of leads and or combined with that commission split, the math better work out. To me, a team's got to be able to show me that. And then I do agree when you have to show up at a team meeting each week and you're, you know, they're holding you accountable to doing things to grow your business and they've got different marketing they're going to do for you and admin support so you can throw transactions over your shoulder and they'll get handled from contract to close by a pro. All that stuff is great, but that's icing on the cake. I want to, I want to bake the cake first. Can I go there and make more money? If that's the case, okay. What are some other reasons you would not join a team? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna show people how to recruit here. And I don't think everyone should join a team. I'm just playing, I'm playing like I am. Give me an excuse. Give me, give me, or you can type it in or you can say it. What are some reasons why I should not join a team? If no one says anything in like 15 seconds, I'm gonna say things because I've heard them all. Like that. What are some reasons? Who's going to be my second favorite? I see Mike going for it. I see Rick pondering. I got something. Oh, Rick's coming. Because um, I've thought about this and I've been invited one time, but I feel like I want to get a better understanding and have more experience and knowledge of what's going on before I go to a team. Okay. I think it could be argued that, you mean like from contract to close, is that what you mean? Like you wanna know how the transactions work? Well, not just that, but just uh, the dynamics of it, everything. I feel like I want a better understanding of all of it before I jump into a team and have certain things done for me. I wanna be aware of how it's done Okay. before I go. What I would tell someone if I was a team leader is, well, the best way to do that is come on the team and I, and, we'll, and we'll make everything transparent to you. You'll be CC'd on every uh, email by every admin. You can sit and ask admin any questions you want. Any marketing, we'll show you all the steps on how we do it. Because how are you gonna see that when you're not on the team? That's like saying, I wanna know everything that goes on behind the curtain, but I'm on the wrong side of the curtain. We gotta let you in to be able to see how everything works. See, I guess I'd argue, Rick, that most people that want to learn how the team works, that's the whole reason they join the team. 
No, I guess I didn't explain her. I just think I, I want to know the basics of real estate because it's my second year. I didn't want to join and then jump right into a team like six, seven months into it. I'd like to understand what I'm doing before I do that. Okay, disclaimer again, I'm not trying to convince Rick to join the team. I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm, I'm <laughs> showing you how to recruit. That's, you know, because you very well, wait. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, couple arguments there. Number one, we can move you a lot faster on my team. Um, and I don't think you're going to be, you, there's going to be anything that we're going to take away from you that you wouldn't know how to do. Um, in fact, we're going to increase your production. I showed you the, the scoreboard. We're going to at least double your production. And you can see with most of the agents on my team, I'm my hypothetical team. I'm going to call it fake team because I don't want anybody to log in and hear me saying this. I don't have a team. Um, so if you join my fake team, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be three or four times ahead of you. So that's that many more transactions. You're going to gain experience much more rapidly with them. And if you want to handle all the transactions, uh, alongside the transaction coordinator, that's fine, but there isn't much else we do for you. You're going to other, you know, other than things we do that a team does, which you're not going to get on your own. Like, does that make sense? Like marketing and we'll open that up to you as well too, but it's really just the things that will be taken away from you. Um, I, you know, we're going to still hold you accountable to lead generation. And eventually when you feel comfortable, which I think you're going to feel very quickly, when you see everything that our admins do, you're going to learn a lot. Like, oh boy, there's a bunch of stuff they do that I could have been doing too, that I wasn't doing, but you're going to know what it is. And it's not going to be complex. And then you're going to be very, very happy to let it go. So you can focus more on the lead generation side of things. The way that you gain knowledge is primarily going to be kinetically. It's going to be by doing it. And if by being on our team helps you sell three times as many properties a year, you're going to get more experience and learn more that way. Does that make sense? That's how I'd put it. That one I actually do believe. That one I do believe. You, you fast track a little bit more that way. I will say that one. Mike, I saw you leaning in like you are going to type something. I, I saw it. I saw you. you're making a move. I thought it was going to be you. Then I saw Rick unmute and put the finger up. Let's hear it or see it. Yeah, Brian, I, it was probably back to your earlier comment about show me the money. Yeah. Your team, you know, show me that I'm going to make more. Right. And then it has to come two different ways, right? It's got to be a, the split has got to be, you know, it's got to be relative to the amount of business you're given. Okay. And this is where you got to watch it because you could say the argument, well, Hey, I'm closing 20 transactions a year. And that, and I tell you, okay, then I'm going to give you at least 20 more, but now I'm going to use Mike. Now, Adam, you're still my favorite because you, 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 you had me going for like 35 minutes, Rick, you're, you're, you're there. Mike's right behind you right now. He's coming up. He's making a move. But Mike might say, Hey, I don't want to do 40 houses a year. You just gave me 20 more. That's just a lot more work. I'd rather do 20 transactions and get a hundred percent of my commission or whatever, than 40 transactions and get 50%. That's just a lot more work. Make sense? 
So then you might say, well, I don't know, Mike, on your SOI, we're going to put you on a 70-30 because I really can't match you. You've, you've got a historical track record of being unmatchable, right? It's very, because it is, it's hard to stay ahead of somebody on your team that does 20 deals. It's hard to give someone 20 deals before they start saying, I don't want your deals anymore because they're already so busy. You know what I mean? And, and your deals are more work. The team's deals are more work because they don't know them. As opposed to people in your own SOI that just call you and say, hey, Mike, hey, Adam, hey, Rick, will you come list my house? Like that, those are the deals you want, right? As opposed to some random lead that you got to convert and work and may or may not get and go look at their house and do all this stuff. And so at some point, that's where we got to start making adjustments because Mike now at 20 deals is unmatchable. So to get Mike to join my team, I have to be fair to my existing agents. I can't like bring him on at a higher split than my other agents. But if I make the same rule apply to Mike as I would to the existing agents on my team, where I say, hey, if any of you gets to 20 transactions from your own SOI, you can graduate up to a, let's say a 70-30 going forward for all of your SOI transactions. Make sense? So now I can bring Mike in and use the production based upon his historical track record, because that's all in MLS, it's all verifiable. We can look at MLS and see how many he closed. So we use his historical track record of being at another brokerage and apply it as if he were at mine and say, I couldn't match him if he came over anyway, because the guy closed, brought in 20 deals next year. I, I mean, the, the pressure that that would put on a team leader would be tough. Like, man, Mike closed four more, I gotta get him four more deals. It'd be hard, It'd be a lot of stress. So let's graduate him up and we're still going to give him those other deals. He's just going to get more. He doesn't have to do quite as many deals that way. Does that make sense? Now, in theory, let's go back to my original complaint that Mike had, which was, hey, I do 20 deals. I don't need 20 more. I'm just getting 50% but doing twice as much work. That's not technically true. This is when your admin support team's got to step up if you run a team. Okay. Because in theory, good admin support handles it from contract to close. I mean, they handle it. The only thing that Mike should be doing is getting back in and maybe helping negotiating the inspection repairs back and forth. Now, an, an amazing admin might do that too, but that's pretty rare. That's why admin support is the second most important thing to a recruit or an agent. The first important is leads. There's just no way around it. The second most important thing is, is, is uh, admin support. That admin support should include marketing. So you do some marketing for them, right? Give you an example. Back to Rick for a second. Rick comes on, on my fake team. Rick's brand new. He's, been in, he's in his second year. I want to blow Rick up faster because he knows that on my team, the encouragement is for him to bring business to the team from his own SOI. I build a business by referral. We coach everyone to build a business by referral. Mike, Adam, Rick, all of us want to build a business by referral. There's no one who doesn't. Everybody likes business that just comes to them from people they know. They don't have to work for it all the time. I don't care who you are. So I, I mean, he does. Rick did not get his license to go on a team and convert leads from people he didn't know all the time. That's not what Rick wants to grow up to be. He wants the leads right now because he needs to pay the bills. But ultimately, he'd like to build his own business. 
So my team's going to support his needs. I'm going to say, sure. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to help Rick do that. How am I going to help Rick do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to track it, put it on the scoreboard and make sure he builds his own SOI. Okay. One of the ways I'm going to do it is I'm going to help market him. Like, I, you know, he's brand new. He's got tons of people in his sphere of influence, his SOI that he knows. And they all know and love Rick. Past friends, coworkers, you know, people he went to high school with. He's all friends on Facebook with them, all that kind of stuff. They all may know and love him, but they know he's new to real estate. Are they really going to list their home with them? I mean, my home's worth $850,000. Do I really want brand new Rick to list my house? I mean, he's cool. He's musically talented. But at the same time, there's that lady, you know, Janet Davis that sold 15 houses in our neighborhood. Let's go with Janet. She's probably the safer bet. We stand to make a few hundred thousand in equity off the sale of this home. Let's go that route. I'm not sure Rick's ready yet. But if Rick comes on my fake team, his first year is going to be a little bit different. His first year, every time I have a listing, Rick's going to be putting out there, just listed $1.4 million house. He's going, to, he's going to take the team's success and use it as his own to get instant credibility from people in his sphere of influence. He might be at my open house on my $2.3 million listing, walking through it going, hey, it's Rick, how's it going? I got a new listing, it's up for sale. Uh, come on by all you guys, look at this beautiful thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then he might be, you know, it's a Facebook live of open house. It's really just to show evidence of his success to everyone he already knows. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden he can parlay and leverage the team's success into his own success. And that, and so we're looking for every opportunity humanly possible, even like the team has a client event, you know, maybe there's, they're all taking photos with the Easter bunny around an Easter egg hunt. You know, my wife just did that. It's, I think Easter bunnies are so freaking creepy. They have those dark soulless eyes, right? So that, you know, they scare me to death. But the um, but the point of the matter is, let's say you have that event. Well, now Rick's promoting that event like he's a big deal. I mean, is he, you know, a brand new agent in their first year? Are they going to spend the money and the time and effort to putting on a big event for a bunch of past clients? No, but Rick's an instant rock star. And so Rick's, you know, it's emailing about it, mailing people, inviting them because the team's doing it for him. And they're making it look like it's Rick's event. You know, Rick's out in front because... What team would not market to Rick's SOI and not put Rick front and center? Otherwise, that mailer or that emailer, it's just spam. They don't know the team, they know Rick. Rick is what ties the two together. So we're not leveraging Rick's relationship at all if we don't put Rick front and center. So Rick's not gonna lose his identity, he's out in front of everything. And, you know, the team name, you know, Brian Eisenhower fake team might be somewhere down below. Just like, you know, Remax or Keller Williams is going to be somewhere down below. But he's big. No one cares about what's down below. They all care about Rick because that's who they have the relationship with. You know, you see what I'm saying? 
So I can give Rick instant credibility. You do this for a year, they're gonna think Rick has been in the business for 10 years. You watch. And every time Rick sees somebody, they're gonna be like, wow, man, Rick, you're really blowing up. You're really, I mean, I see you everywhere. I mean, you're, you're selling a lot because he's sending out a just listed mailer for the $1.2 million house. Then he's doing like a Facebook live through the open house, of the $1.2 million house. And then he's doing a stagnant, just sold social media post. That's the same freaking house. We hit it three different ways. They're going to all think Rick just sold 12 houses off that one freaking house. Now we do it with like 10, 15 different houses. They're going to think he's like the number one guy and, you know, Jane Davis or whatever is gone. They're going to list with Rick because now they're comfortable in Rick. Rick didn't do that. My fake team did. I used the experience and success of the fake team to turn the I into a we. And now he can use that success because we are all on the same team. So all that stuff does belong to him. I'm cool with it. So I can all of a sudden give him a lot more blow him up without him taking the time or the money to do it. Why? I got advertising dollars. I got marketing deals. I got marketing personnel. That's my admin support. That's showing the value of a team to help an agent. There's no way another, another excuse I would have said back to Mike would have been, I'm going to lose my identity. Oh no, should be exact vice versa. Should be exact vice versa. We should be able to blow up your identity or we're doing something wrong. Because no one has ever picked an agent based on the brokerage, well, not ever, but very rarely do people pick an agent based on the brokerage they're with or the team they're with. I mean, it's 80% of sales are done one-on-one -on -one relationship. In other words, I know him or I know someone that knows him and they don't really care where you're at. If we can blow him up <laughs> to more, that's where all your business is coming from. That's the key to this game is blow you up get you more relationships and get your relationships deeper and more credible. A good team can do that for you. That's part of that admin support. So back to Mike, 20 deals, 40 of them. Don't want to do it. Well, we can adjust the splits. And then that admin support is going to take a lot off your plate and add a lot that you couldn't do. Right? So contract to close, good admin support will handle it better than you can. You just got to get involved and negotiate the contracts and negotiate the inspections. Otherwise, admin supports handling it. They're scheduling all your walkthroughs, all your inspections, making sure sellers are there, inspectors are there, getting copies of reports, even going over the reports, highlighting the major items, all that kind of stuff. Preparing requests for repair forms and things like that, you know, doing all that for you, writing offers for you, you know, doing addendums for you, things like that. Admin support can go really, really strong on top teams. So now we talk about that sliding scale and commission splits. Do, does your team truly show you value? And I know a lot of you are like, man, I don't want to let go of all that stuff. Like, oh, really? You don't. Why? Because they won't do as good a job as you? So let me get this straight. The team that closes 500 transactions a year the transaction coordinator on that team that does a hundred of them themselves is not going to be as good as you. I'm pretty sure she got a lot more experience than you do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
but we just tend to like hang on to things ourselves because we think people need us and they don't. They need the standards you represent. You tell me the next time your dentist cleans your teeth. We are totally good with good service. They don't need you. They need the standards you represent. So make sure the team does a good job. Make sure that they do overcome those objections. If you have a team, make sure you overcome those objections and make sure you're conveying it. That's probably the most important thing. Like Adam and I's conversation, half the time all that's happening and no one freaking knows it. It's amazing to me. So I blame the team leader, like you didn't communicate it. So there they are and they, their whole careers failed because they thought they did all those transactions and generated them all themselves. Mind boggling. Mind boggling. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.